Department of Education and Technology and University Business, in conjunction with NFOCUS Testing and Manchester Metropolitan University. I'm joined today by two guests who are going to be giving us a behind-the-scenes view of an enormous digital transformation project being undertaken here at MMU. Um, now, the SJDT, that stands for the Student Journey Digital Transformation, it's an acronym to remember for the next half an hour, is replacing an enormous amount of MMU's digital infrastructure. So, our two guests, uh, right next to me, we've got Phil Edwards, who is the Managing Director of NFOCUS Testing, and next to him, we've got Andrew Kemp, who is Manchester Metropolitan University's Student Journey Digital Transformation Director. So, welcome both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. So, let's start off then. Um, Andrew, could you give us a brief overview of what is this programme and what is it going to deliver for the university? Okay, the Student Journey Transformation Programme is an ambitious three-year project to basically put the student more centrally focused and more at the heart of what we do by enabling using technology to enable the students to more interact with the university in a simpler, quicker and more efficient way but also building the capability for more flexibility and also faster access for the students in the future so that we can move much quicker as the student demands and the environment changes. It's a three-year project end-to-end -end, and it involves reprocessing a lot of the uh, university systems, reprocessing the way we do things, changing the operational models and also in conjunction with our colleagues in ISDS, replacing and changing some of the infrastructure that sits behind it. So what kind of services are being phased out and what new capabilities are being introduced by this? So at the moment we're not planning to phase anything out. What we're doing is basically um, improving and modernising everything really from the moment the student inquires at the university right the way through um, at the end of the project to their alumni. Mm. Um, and basically we've tried to put everything as much as we can online, make everything available via devices of the student's choice. And also we put in place three central student hubs in three parts of the university that will be go to physical locations alongside the virtual environment that we're building that will go live in the next 12 to 18 months. Um, so, um, Phil, what's MFOCUS's uh, kind of involvement in this project and what are you delivering for the university? Okay, so we were brought in a few years ago to uh, to look at the, um, the programme as a whole, to understand uh, the vision and values uh, of the of the project, uh, but also to create the governance that, that, that would uh, oversee all the applications that have been delivered throughout the two to three year program. Um, and the first activity was to, to create the uh, to test strategy, which was almost an educational piece uh, to some degree. It was uh, teaching people that were not necessarily uh, IT based uh, about how testing will be performed over the two years, uh, how to mitigate risks, uh, how to set priorities and also uh, the introduction of a, of a single uh, test management tool that would bring together the reporting metrics so they're all in one place, almost like a single point of truth to say where we are with the project. So roughly how far along is this project to being kind of fully rolled out and how do we know where we are in the project? Okay, so we're roughly, I'd say, two-thirds of the way yeah. through now. So we've got the, uh, the final push, uh, which we're aiming to complete next year. Um, that will deliver the remaining functionality that the university requires to have a full end-to-end -end student uh, uh, system. Um, you know, so far we've gone through a few go lives. Uh, go live one was a, uh, a kind of a soft go live to, to some degree. Uh, it was a, a way of understanding uh, uh, how testing can be effective. 
but also uh, to refine the process so that the, the, the second, third and fourth go lives would work uh, kind of more smoothly. Okay. So what kind of roughly is the date for when this is going to be? Very well. good question. Um, I mean, at the moment we brought we brought the admissions live last year, okay. um, and we brought it live on a new, on a brand new product um, called U4SM, which is Unit 4's new student management system, which is kind of new into the UK and European market. So that's proving challenging. Yeah. Um, working hand in hand with the university with Unit 4's executive team over in Amsterdam to make that happen, um, and the s sort of second and third phases of it will go live. In some of it will go live in January 2020. And at the moment, the main push is to bring the whole system and all the operations live at an appropriate time in 2020, be that the start of the academic year or be that the sort of end of the year, depending how much testing, how much involvement, how far we are, some challenges we may have around software integrations. But the plan is to try and basically bring the whole thing live by the end of 2020 and push it into operation, which is really the start of the journey, because at that point, all the basics and the change are in place for them for the adoption development and starting to really drive the benefits out across the university and also across the student population. And will it be rolled out in phases or is it just going to be switch on and we move over? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, um, so far we've rolled out the admissions um, and we had 50,000 applicants on the new system through UCAS and we've run a whole cycle of that now on the new system last year. Um, and then the hubs went live in September um, of, of um, this year and other parts enrolment through to um, like graduation that will come um, towards the end of 2020. Um, so we'll phase it as much as possible, but a large proportion of it will come towards the end of, end of next year and it will be a fairly um, clean cut over um, because of the nature of the way that um, the operation is going to happen. It will be sort of more of a big bang scenario at that, situ at that time mm -hmm. rather than phase. But we've gone through two to three years of phasing to get people ready to understand how we change, how we move, how we cut over. So to try and de-risk that as much as possible. But it will be a significant challenge for all involved at that time. Mm. So obviously this is a, a project that's been outsourced to contractors. Can you talk to me a little bit about how the project has been managed between contractors, people in-house, how those teams have been brought together and, and, and how those teams are working? Yeah, I mean, one of the great things about working for, for Manchester Metropolitan, I've done this at a number of universities, is that uh, right from the outset, the Vice Chancellor and Chief Operating Officer um, gave a commitment that we would bring people from within the university onto the project so that the knowledge transfer was taking place throughout the, the period of the project. So we took some, some key people out of the business and backfilled them for two to three years. And we took some colleagues from within ISDS and backfilled them for two to three years, built a, an integrated project team that then have worked together from various parts of the university. And then we've augmented that with contractors, specialist people such as Enfocus to help us in areas where we don't have that skill set to basically bring together a team of various degrees of complexity, various degrees of skill base, but it's started to gel really, really well so that as we go live, the knowledge is within the university and within the people in the university rather than potentially with the third parties that you can then pay and lose that skill and expertise. So it's been a really significant investment both in the people at the university and the colleagues from Enfocus and colleagues from other suppliers that are working with us have helped with that knowledge transfer and the upskilling and cross-skilling of colleagues within the university. So it's had two benefits. What, what sort of uh, knowledge transfer do you think Enfocus has been able to hand across to those staff members here? Okay, so I mean, clearly over the two years, we've become you know subject matter experts uh, in in the applications that we've been testing, um, and that that's had a, a great effect really uh, on other projects teams and also people within the business because we're we're able to be a point of point of contact. Um, we know how things work. Um, we we specifically down to field level or attributes uh, we're able to 
give a kind of a clear indication of you know what data is required uh, to be able to get the you know the right outcomes and setting parameters so we've been able to transfer knowledge back to the business that way and do you think your expectations of the project have changed as it's evolved and do you think the university's expectations has changed as it's evolved i think both i think uh, i'm sure I'm, I'm sure phil will tell you what the expectation and focus were um, i think when we set out i think the university has significant ambitions i think we've all learned as we've gone through um, the scale and complexity and we've learned some of the challenges and we face those challenges together. The governance has been really strong. We've had directors from across the university on the governance for three years um, and the support has been uh, significant. Um, so I think, you know, we've all learned as we've gone through it and I think the learning will continue when we've gone live. Um, there are always challenges with any kind of change project when you're changing process people and technology all at the same time. Um, that causes significant challenges. but. I think the university is embracing it, starting to see the potential, starting to see the capability and uh, the opportunity to run with that for the benefit of the university and the student, I think will be the, the, the real positive outcome from this. Yeah. Phil, anything you'd add? No, no I, I agree. I mean, when we, when we started out you know, all those years ago, um, we knew that the, you know, the scope would change. I mean, it's, it's a little bit like a, a, a game of football. You know, you start out with every intention of winning 5-0 um, and then you're 1-0 down within the first five minutes and you have to re reformat the team. Um, the, the type of testing that we do has changed uh, from day one to how it is now. Uh, you know, the introduction of automation partway through, uh, non-functional testing like performance was introduced. and. You know, we have to shape the team for the demand at the time. Um, and, you know, we've had some challenges with the enormity of the work. And, uh, you know, we've, you know, we've worked, I think, you know, fairly seamlessly in the background to try and make uh, things happen. So let's move on to the overall strategy of this. What is the strategy that's underpinning this programme and what will students be using it for? I think, I think you know, the, the, the initial challenge the university faced was its student management system and some of these other systems were uh, in need of replacement and were coming to end of life. And I think the decision was, do we do a straightforward student management replacement project or do we do a transformation project? And the view was we need to transform. So we need to look at standardizing our processes, our approaches, our methods, our operations, and then we need to overlay that on top of a new student management system to make that work. The benefits at the end of it will be much faster access to market. The students will be in much more control of what they do, how they do it, when they do it. Self-service will be a greater element of the offering across the board. Um, I think also having a more modern um, new, which has caused problems because any new system, you know, um, is a challenge to bring in. Yeah. Um, but once it's in that hard work and, and, and pain has gone through, then the benefits are if you've got something that you can build on for the future rather than using old technology. I think we're facing all those challenges so that the university is in a really strong place uh, to meet the challenges and the demands that the market is going to affect. We're going to push on them in the coming years. Mm. And you were talking about those three uh, student centres. Can you just give me a kind of walkthrough of what a student would use those centres for and what that process would look like? Yeah, I mean, we, we, just, we took a view, um, you know, a lot of universities have um, student hubs uh, where students go to first point of contact. Uh, Manchester Metropolitan University is no different, but what we've done is modernised them, so we've replaced them completely. We've taken away the counters, we've taken away all the physical barriers, we've put kiosks in there to allow self-service, put automated queuing systems in there, so students can basically join queues and book onto queues without being in the university. Um, we've put then um, sort of a kind of 
student relationship management system in that basically logs, controls and manages um, all aspects of that for the student. Um, and we've made, put them into a modern environment. Um, I hate to use the analogy, but a little bit like an Apple Store kind of environment, mm -hmm. a retail banking environment that flows much more concierge service. And we're delivering about 55 different services as a first point of call through those three hubs in three different parts of the university. And those can be anything from kind of um, complaints, concerns, mental health? Absolutely. Obviously, there's an awful lot of data. We've 15 services going on there. There's an awful lot of data that's flowing between different programmes. What is M-Focus testing helping to do? Um, what role is quality assurance playing in that? Okay, well, I mean, quality assurance covers the whole scope of the programme of work. So... <clears throat> Uh, effectively, da data is a big part, and data flows from from one application to another uh, and, and onwards. So, we are testing data. We're testing the integration uh, of the systems. We're also testing the functionality as we go through. So, it covers a whole range of things, really, of what we're doing. And 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 the metrics. There's a there's a whole series of metrics that M testing and focus testing are using um, to, to track where they are and and what level of capability these programs have got. Could you tell us a little bit about how that works? Sure. So so at the very start of the program, we looked at various uh, test management tools. We wanted to make sure that we could uh, put all the requirements and the test plans all in one place, link them together, uh, and also link them to the test assets, the test scripts, so that when we, uh, when we begin testing, if we, we do encounter any issues, we're able to quickly identify uh, where the where the issue came from, whether it's an issue with the requirements, uh, whether it's an issue with, with what what we'd actually put together or our understanding, or whether it's an, an issue with the data or, or code, and we're able to track that. And when we do track it, we're able then, by using the triage, be able to identify the the right teams very quickly to where the issue should be assigned to, and that. Uh, has prevented a lag in uh, <clears throat> in the way that defects are resolved. So if you can kind of imagine we raise a defect, we're able to trace the documentation very quickly, be able to gather all the information and then package it off to the right teams uh, so that they can fix them, whether that's the integration team or development teams or, or suppliers. Andrew, why did you want to bring in um, an outsider to, to do the testing for you? I think probably because I've run projects before, both in and inside the education sector and outside the education sector. And pulling a test team together from a, a group of external consultants and, and, and coordinating and managing that through complex testing is quite a, a difficult thing to do. And it can be fragmented and fragile. So I took a view that I wanted a professional company to come in um, where I could set a, a contract, could set the deliverables, could set what the targets were, the quality thresholds, etc. Um, and therefore, we looked at a number of suppliers that could come in and do that. And also to give the university that assurance that, in fact, we've tested things and looked at things and a third party that does that for a living um, can actually test and check that what we're doing is correct. Because when we go live, you know, it's high impact, high risk. And therefore, we wanted a quality assurance that the testers have tested it to the nth degree and basically the risk was mitigated as much as possible. And we, we chose and focused for a number of reasons really around that one because of the approach Two, because they were almost niche in terms of they weren't one of the huge big suppliers. They were quite niche. They were much more focused. They were much more integrated with what we wanted to achieve. And also, I think as a partnership, we've grown and um, we've had our ups and downs, but we've grown throughout the whole sort of two to three years. And the knowledge take on and the knowledge transfer that we've had from both sides has, has helped move this forward. 
there's obviously a lot of teams that are working together. How has this project compared to the ones you've worked on before in terms of linking together the in-house team, your team and focus testing, bringing those different groups together and then ensuring that the teams that are going to be using this and maintaining it are up to speed in what it is you've actually created for them? Yeah, it's been complex, but I think, you know, the, the key thing is have the support from the, from, from the Vice Chancellor and the Chief Operating Officer in terms of we brought staff university people that understand the university understand how it operates understand the processes manage those processes and manage those student um, services on a day-to-day -day basis having their knowledge and expertise on the project because they know what works and what doesn't work what historically has been a problem and what things need to improve and giving them that opportunity to design the new world implement the new with exciting new technology has been a real real bonus and ultimately at the end when the project finishes these are the colleagues that will go back and deliver that service to the students and improve the service, develop the service, and share that expectation and, and, and capability with the university, rather than bringing a team of people in, those people, people delivering something and then leaving the university without that knowledge experience. And I think that's been critical. And then the training capability, the staff from the university have been on a training course, they've learned about testing from professional people, they've learned about project management from people, they've learned about how you do cutover, data migration, and the technology tools we've used. And I think that's been great for them, and that develops an asset that the university can use for other projects in the future. And Phil, in terms of the testing, um, have there been any challenges that have been thrown up from that testing that, that you've had to sort of get to grips with? Oh, well, we, when we were faced, you know, an enormous amount of challenges, you know, on a, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Um, I, I think, um, I think we were under no uh, illusion that we weren't going to encounter any problems when we started and we were always been prepared for that. I mean part of the the overarching test strategy was to try and mitigate uh, issues um, and have a plan in place for when we do encounter scope change. So for example we chose a, a risk-based approach to testing so we we you know the, a risk-based approach for those people that don't know it is we look at all the test assets the test scripts and we devise which ones are priority ones priority twos and depending on how much time we have for testing we can then de-scope the, the amount of tests that we use so we may just concentrate on priority ones for a, for a particular cycle then priority twos later on or we may do all of them all together, depending on, on the times and the pressures that we're under. I mean, other challenges that we, that we face is um, turnaround of, of, of defects, because it's a, it's a little bit of a dark art. You know, we raise a defect, but we have no real idea at that point uh, how, how much effort it's going to take to resolve. That's going to be another team to determine that. So in terms of re-planning, you know, we, we rely on other teams to say this, this fix is going to be delivered in you know, one week, two weeks, three weeks time. And then we have to kind of regroup, replan, and then fill in other activities during that time so that we're, you know, we're fully uh, operable, you know, during that period. And we're not just sat around waiting for things to happen. We're actually getting on with something else. So every single project is unique. Is there anything, because there's going to be 35, roughly, 1,000 students potentially will be using this system. Is there anything that you've learned from such an enormous project? Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess lessons learned. We we did a, a lessons learned after each of the go lives, and I think uh, one of the things that uh, um, has helped is, is using uh, the metrics we get from the, the single defect management tool using DevOps, uh, and that kind of gives us an indication of how long testing actually takes. So, kind of in a real world, you you look at a, a set of scripts and you'll go through. Yeah, that takes thirty minutes. That takes an hour. That takes two days. And 
kind of in reality now we've got we've got two years worth of history and two years worth of data when actually we, we can actually say that's going to take with some confidence a minimum of you know 25 days 30 days to perform uh, and that's invaluable actually going through uh, through the various stages, I mean, we've got 30 or 40 applications being delivered, you know, next year. Uh, and we're able now to put together sensible estimates of, of how long it's going to take. That's the biggest challenge. It sounds like there's an awful lot of uh, positives and benefits to, to uh, come from having so much collaborative working. Um, what do you think, Andrew, are the kind of the key benefits for, for you and your role in having all these different experts in this collaborative working approach? I think for me, the, the great thing from, from the start was having the freedom um, from, from, from Karen Moore, the Chief Operating Officer, to design the project and how I was going to operate the project um, without it being designed for me. Um, and, and being able to bring the people from the university in and develop them and train them and build them up and then augment them with people from Unit 4, from NFOCUS, from other teams as we as and when we need them and bring experts in who I've worked with before and also uh, from the field to put gaps in knowledge and capability because moving things into the cloud, designing cloud architecture, uh, testing such complex systems, integrating to circa 37 legacy systems and the challenges around that, moving the data, cutting the data across, um, you know, is a complex thing to do whilst keeping the business operational and transitioning the business, get the business ready, the training, all the bits that go with it. So I think for me that that flexibility to design that and drive that through with great governance has been the thing that's made this this project uh, so far more enjoyable perhaps than some of the some of the other ones uh, not that they weren't enjoyable but they were different <laughs> i mean obviously because you know we're talking about those those centers and potentially students will be coming with mental health concerns there's an awful lot of potentially quite sensitive data that's going to be used um, in in this project what are some of the uh, kind of basic um protections and procedures that have been built into the system to ensure that it's, it's really safe for the users? Yeah, so what we do basically was we've taken guidance and advice from um, our information security colleagues within ISDS and also from third parties um, and basically designed then the security protocols, the security systems and the security on the data around those. And then we've asked uh, NFOCUS to make sure that in testing that they're complicit with those and we're complying with all elements of that. And we test it regularly. And as we go through different phases, we continue to test it. You know, nothing's foolproof, um, but what we make sure is that there's enough governance, enough control uh, to ensure that we're doing absolutely everything we can to make sure that students' data and university data is secure as it can be in an environment where data security is a challenging issue for everybody, irrespective of whether it's a university or a business in the current operating mm -hmm. world. And, and how has NFOCUS testing kind of approached that, that same challenge? Okay, so, so we've got uh, two approaches really. We either create our own data, so our own test data, um, based on the set of parameters we get from uh, various documentation, uh, or we anonymize data, so uh, we, we blank out names, addresses, and so forth, so that we, we're unable to trace the, the actual users <coughs> uh, of, of, of real users during that situation. And, and a lot of the NFOCUS testing's work is ensuring that the data that is entered by users is going to the right people, to the right places, and being used properly in the different, the, all the different services that are going to be part yeah, of Yeah, correct. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, part of the integration testing that we do is we make sure the data flows to the right places and we make sure that that's all, all nicely checked off. And, I mean, what do you think, Andrew, was the sort of the primary reason why NFOCUS testing were the kind of the right partners for this project? Um, I think you get a feel, you know, I think, okay. I think, you know, you're doing this, you get a feel for, it's like most, like most projects, you know, it's, it's, it's about the people 
Yeah, mm -hmm. Most organizations can do some of the testing you want to different levels, but it's about the relationships, it's about the partnership, it's about the can-do attitude, it's about the flexibility, it's about meeting the responsive nature of the project. And also, you know, as a university, we're not always the easiest people to deal with. The project isn't always the easiest people to deal with. You know, we have our challenges and our, and our peculiarities and our ways of doing things that perhaps other, other clients would, would have different peculiarities and challenges. So I think the flexibility that Enfocus have shown and also the localness in terms of they're not that far away from us as an organization geographically. Um, the fact that they've come on site and worked with us. Um, and yeah, in the first 12 months, the learning curve was quite steep for all. And we had some challenges, but I think how you work through those challenges and how you better improve that relationship is testament to how things can survive two to three years and hopefully post that. Uh, I think those that don't work end very quickly. So I think, you know, it's testing is, is, is something that's a necessity, something that not everybody wants to be involved in. Um, so I think using a third party to give you independent insurance, quality assurance and using the right people is the reason we went to market and the reason we chose Enfocus. I think I do. And, and from your point of view, what kind of particular, you describe them as peculiarities, but what sort of particular um, concerns and things that you need to meet um, when working with an educational partner like Manchester Metropolitan University? Oh, um, I, guess, I guess, you know, some of the concerns uh, were around, obviously, the size of the programme. Um, I think, you know, certainly in the early days that we, we weren't sure what was going to be delivered when. So it's always difficult to you know assess the, the the team structure and the size and so forth moving forward. Um, I think there was always uh, you know going to be challenges around um, the product as well because the product is is it's being used pretty much for the first time yeah. that uh, in the UK. So you know you imagine a, a, a new product out of the box it is going to have some some uh, some issues to start with. Uh, that need to be ironed through um, and being able to handle that uh, in a sympathetic way. And as Andrew said, you know, it's been a collaborative approach across all the teams. It's been able to ensure that, you know, testing is done independently, represents uh, the university. We're, you know, we're the, the last part of the project before go live. And we wanted to make sure that, you know, the product goes live with with the least amount of issues, and uh, you know so far, you know we've we've done okay, and uh, um, you know I think you know from the lessons learned, we only get better as we go forward. Okay, and um, we've covered the process up till now, but once the project goes live, what happens next? Well, you know I think the the twelve months after we go live are probably going to be the most challenging twelve months because getting a project live is one thing. Getting it bedded in and using it and operating it is another thing, and I think you know as we transition, after, you know, conversations I've had with the university teams is it's going to be a stabilisation year. It's going to be everything because the way university works in cycles, you know, we'll hit certain thing at the beginning of the year, then something else and something else, and we won't get to sort of examinations and all the rest of the stuff till the end of the year. So we'll test things in phases, you know, and and I'd like to think as we go through that and we transition things uh, back into various parts of the university, we'll own and manage them, that we will continue the relationship with Enfocus um, and it will probably move to more of a consulting and advising relationship and training people and developing people within ISDS and other parts of the university that will take on these roles and during that stabilisation, supporting that stabilisation to ensure that the hard work and effort we put in today isn't lost but is actually built on and that's a conversation we haven't had with Enfocus yet but that would be a sensible uh, move forward through what will be a key stabilisation period for the university. So I mean obviously it might be a 
I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit, but at what point do you think N-Focus testing will be kind of complete with this project and ready to sort of pass it across? Will there be any involvement in that that 12-month implementation? Period? Yeah, I mean, certainly uh, we, throughout the go-lives that have already happened, we've mm. monitored the the outputs of, of the application. So like if you can imagine a banking system, at the end of the month, you'll get a bank statement. They know that's a once a month uh, uh, occurrence and then direct debits and standing orders will go out at various different points and it's, it's very similar with the student system you'll get anniversary dates of various activities that will happen for the first time and, and you know testing needs to be around to be able to monitor and be able to make sure that what we tested in a in a light life environment actually happens in the real environment as well. I think as I was say the other thing I think to add to that is that the products that we bought because it's now software as a service, mm. we'll get four releases a year. So basically okay. there'll be four new releases coming in every year. So when they come in, clearly we're gonna to have to test them, regress test them, and make sure that those releases are working effectively before we bring them to live. And I think going through that learning phase, and folks can help and support us during that transition as well into a business as usual cycle of new functionality, new functionality, new functionality. What are those sort of the potential challenges that the software as a service might throw up for this? I think the software as a service is a new concept. I think it throws up challenges for all parts of the university. It throws up challenges for my colleagues in, in, in ISDS who are um, basically um, responding to those really positively at the moment. It throws up challenges for the business. You know, I, in my opinion, it, IS, you know, software is becoming much more commoditized. Okay. Uh, you buy it on demand, you need it, you implement it, you use it, uh, and it changes that much faster. So I think you know, software as a service is a new concept, but we're trying to push everything into that world um, so that we can meet the demands and the changing demands of the market much quicker and much faster, rather than building solutions that, in effect, we have to live with for many years. Mm. It was, is there anything you'd add to that in terms of thinking about software as a service is it in a different way? Uh, I, I guess from uh, from my experience of, of working, you know, across a number of companies, is that it's so important to take the upgrades as you go mm. through. If you miss an upgrade, and then all of a sudden you're two releases behind the rest of the world. Mm then try to you know migrate to the you know two versions on or three versions a on is a bigger mm -hmm. leap and okay. you know that comes with all sorts of, of issues and uh, uh, you end up in a world of pain sometimes indeed thank you so much for joining us today thanks so much andrew and phil your expertise has been fantastic and i found it really really interesting